0: Welcome to Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by Three Geeky Millennials. My name is Hai Chen bui I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts.
1: I am Anya Crittenden, a writer and editor in Los Angeles.
2: And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the DC area. Uh, so it's once again time to do a movie review like we do every month. Uh, it is the end of October, and we thought we would talk about the scariest movie, on in cinemas right now scary obviously because of classism and discrimination uh and a bunch of fun things uh this movie does get quite scary we're talking about parasite guys we're gonna review the movie parasite by director bong joon ho who also i believe wrote the movie um and it stars let me pull up the google cast list uh it stars kang ho song uh, choi woo shik park so dam and uh, choi yeo jung and uh lee sung gyun i hope i got the- those all right i apologize if i didn't um but those are like the main cast members uh, uh and it is a I mean, there's really not much that we should say specifically before we get into spoilers. So why don't we just do our our main thoughts about the film and maybe you know what? I'm going to give Google's description of it because it's pretty um, uh, spoiler free. So give me that. Give me one second here. So greed and class discrimination threaten the newly formed symbiotic relationship between the wealthy Park family and the destitute Kim clan. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty bare summary of the movie, uh, if you guys agree with me. Um, overall thoughts? Uh, HT, why don't you go first? You saw, you saw it first, right? I
0: did. I saw a, a kind of early, screen- early screening of it. I saw it right before it was release- released in theaters. And my God, I was bowled over by this movie, which I think is a new masterpiece and really a culmination of Bong Joon-ho's entire career. He is the director behind films like The Host, Snowpiercer, Okja, uh, Memories of Murder, Mother, and a lot of that genre bending, um, tonal high wire walking that he's done in a lot of his past films can be seen and done to perfection in Parasite. And I absolutely love how it bounces so seamlessly between being a comedy of errors, a a social satire, and a horror like we were talking about before. It just is so many things. And of course, the Hitchcockian suspense, which holds us in suspense for so much of the film's climax. Um, This is a film that really gets to the root of a lot of just the sort of societal uh, oppression and that sort of symbiotic relationship that the wealthy and the poor have with each other and the idea that there will always be a person upstairs and a person downstairs. It's not a spoiler. I mean, it kind of is. But uh, it, does, it's, it tackles this idea of class hierarchies and social stratification in a perfect visual metaphor and narrative metaphor. Um, in the words of one of the characters, this movie is so metaphorical and <laughs> it does it so well and um, it it really keeps you in suspense like I was saying and um, it's unpredictable the way that it twists and turns and halfway through the film it performs something that I've heard described as a magic trick, a narrative magic trick and it really does just pull the rug underneath you and make you look upon how, your perceptions of not only these characters but how... Uh, our society and um, it, the way that it it uh, it, it works, um, just like he gives you a new perspective on that. And um, yeah, it's just it's so funny. It's so well uh, immaculately performed, perfectly executed, not a shot wasted. Um, and I just I think that Bong Joon Ho is a genius god tier director, and he shows it so well with Parasite. My favorite movie of the year and, um, one of the definitely one of the best of the year and my favorite of the year personally, and just something that I think we'll be talking about for months, years to come.
2: Awesome. Um, I will go next because I want to talk about this movie, this movie and Anya, you obviously get to say your thoughts, um, this movie was sort of amazing, and like to say there's a magic trick, a magic trick happening dark at the, at one point in the movie, I think is a good summation. But also, this whole movie is a magic trick because I think that it it definitely starts out as one thing and turns into a whole another thing, and then that whole another thing turns into a whole another thing. Um, and from like minute one, everything is just sort of unfolding and done so perfectly it is very much like uh like the prestige like idea of like it shows you one thing and then there's the turn and then there's the prestige or like everything comes together at the end and it ever like it's all like masterfully cut together wonderfully shot um it does a really good job of doing something that like uh i would say like metropolis the, the fritz lang film does where it's like the haves and the have-nots are physically on top of each other like the haves are on above everybody and have nots are below the ground essentially and that move like like hc you were saying this movie is very metaphorical to quote to paraphrase a character from this, the, this movie like the metaphor isn't subtle but it doesn't have to be and it definitely shouldn't be um and it's it's like it clonks you over the head but like you say thank you afterwards because, <laughs>
0: it beats you because over the it's... head bloody with it exactly
2: there is a lot of um it, it's it's not afraid to show you exactly what like bong joon ho is not afraid to show you exactly what he's going for um like visually and in the script uh and i was in a packed east street cinema washington dc like thursday night showing it was the first sh- or one of the first showings that it, it, that happened in dc um and it was a packed theater and we all gasped at the right times we all went oh, at the t- at the right times and we were all like whoa, whoa, at the right times like i think that this movie worked for so many people on so many levels right now it has like a 99 on rotten tomatoes which i think it should have 100 but i think that one like critic that always does a bad Armand white uh, Armand white he always does a bad review of a movie and of like negates it 100 our favorite
0: contrarian <laughs>
2: think that happened to lady bird or something like a lot of these are like perfect movies on rotten tomatoes get a, a bum score from someone and it ruins the the thing but nevertheless i think like in my mind it has a 100 on rotten tomatoes because it is a perfect movie um it is a movie for our times it is a movie for our decade it is essential viewing for like if you want to like really like get an idea of like classism And like, and like, but, and not even just classism, but like banal classism Mm -hmm. and, and like the, and like non, it's definitely malevolent, but it is, uh, uh, it's like, uh, I'm trying to look, think of the word, uh, unintentional.
0: Yeah. Unintentional. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's like they, like the the wealthy don't realize what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and the rich and the poor are also doing their best to. Do the best that they can
0: to stay in the circumstances
2: that they're in, (laughs) yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this movie worked on me really well. I really enjoyed it, I really had fun with it. I thought that the ending was perfect and that this whole movie is uh, a masterpiece, and that everyone should see it. Uh, Anya, you had an interesting reaction to this movie when you, uh, I think we talked about it on the podcast last week. Um, what are you? What are your thoughts on *Parasite* and your experience watching this film?
1: Oh, how you say interesting, and in that is just code for I sobbed at the end, <laughs> <laughs> which feels like a reaction. I have talked to other people who have also who also cried, but I am realizing that it was definitely like it's a uh, exception and not a rule to people's reactions to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could not agree anymore with both of you on what you just said about this film. Um, I think it is brilliant. I think it's H T said I think it is a true masterpiece. I am um, reserving judgment to call it my favorite film of the year just because I'm seeing The Lighthouse and Jojo Rabbit today, which are two of my other most anticipated films, and Little Women is coming out. So I'm just kind of like I am reserving I'm reserving some judgment and being a little cautious. However, there's a very good chance it could take that spot. If not, it'll be in like the top three. Um, This film is mind boggling and spectacular and witty and disturbing and so many other adjectives uh, that can be applied to this movie in one breath. Um, I've never seen a Bong Joon-ho film that I've disliked and I hope it remains that way for his entire career. He has yet to make a misstep, which is, you know, a remarkable thing. Um, And I think, you know, I think the thing that I love so much about this movie and about him as a director is that he's just he's not afraid to go there. He's not afraid to commit to his conceits and the stories he wants to tell. Um, He's not sort of a he is definitely a whole ass one thing, <laughs> um, kind of director. And I so appreciate and respect that because it makes for a much more satisfying experience as an audience member. Um, yeah, I, so my experience in watching it was, Willoughby, I like what you were saying about watching it with an audience because I had the same sort of audience experience out here in LA with a packed theater in Hollywood and everyone laughing and gasping and, you know, being like, oh my God, at all the right moments. And it was such a, I love, love seeing movies in theaters because I love that collective experience. Um, And this was one of the better, like theater movies to see uh, with a packed audience. And, you know, for the first third of this movie, it unfolds exactly as you expect it to. Right. Like yeah. mm-hmm. every beat is predictable and you're like, okay, yeah, this is this is exactly what it is. It's very entertaining, very smart, um, but exactly what you expect it to be. And then that twist happens, that uh that piece of magic, um or you know, how did you describe it, HD? A magic trick. A magic trick, yeah. yes. Um and it, it, that is a perfect way to describe it because then it suddenly flips on its head and you have no idea what to expect next. Yeah. And yeah. it is both thrilling and terrifying, very suspenseful, um, mm. I was very stressed watching it. <laughs> um, it is thrilling to watch and disturbing and very stressful, um very suspenseful i was extremely stressed out for like the last two-thirds of this film i had like a knot in my stomach and i couldn't look away and then by the end by the time the party rolled around at the end of the movie which we'll like get into more and stuff and like everything had kind of like fallen apart in such a dramatic way i just started crying I, I I didn't even like it wasn't even like a built up thing like literally one moment I was watching this film and the next there were like tears rolling down my face and I was like sure oh
2: my god yeah like a switch just went off
1: right like- I was watching it and like suddenly I it was an overwhelming feeling of empathy and compassion and heartbreak
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if that sounds strange no it makes a lot of sense to me And I just started crying. And, you know, I think it's a testament to the film in my eyes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. And that it could get that kind of reaction out of me. Although I'm an easy crier. I cry at everything. But um, I literally cry at commercials. Mm. Um, I am that person. (laughs) Um, But this was, like, one of those very moving experiences and very visceral. And um, I both can't stop thinking about it and... I'm like afraid to think about it.
0: I really like what you said about the knot appearing in your stomach um, and the anxiety that this film, the second half of this film really puts you through. What I really like about that is that that knot that has to do with the suspense and the anxiety that you feel for these characters throughout, um, it doesn't go away. There's no release. And I think that this film uh, is putting into, like is manifesting, it's like put into physical reality the that hopelessness the helplessness that we feel with how how oppressive and just um, stacked against the odds our systemic class hierarchy is that idea of of social disparity um, and wealth disparity it really puts that into um, something a little bit more tangible and I think that tangibility is like takes place in that knot in our stomach that we're experiencing and we realize that it has doesn't have to do with just what the events that are transpiring on screen but what's transpiring in reality
2: i think this is a movie that could have been a silent film and would have worked perfectly Mm. i think that everything is so uh visually understood that if you watched it with just music and and like, I think that you'd be able to understand exactly what's happening in this film.
0: I think that's a great point. See, I'm going to keep talking really about this, agree. but I agree that's completely. Thing, yes. Um, I learned recently in a Vulture profile of Bong Joon-ho that Bong Joon-ho storyboards every single frame in all of his films. Um, Steven Yun talked about it when he was filming Okja, and he said that he got, he and the rest of his cast members got handed this giant, like, comic book almost, like a graphic novel. That was the all the storyboards to the film. And he said it read like a comic book, like like a manga. And he and so like everything, every shot is something that Bong Jun ho envisioned from the beginning and the way that the framing and the blocking and everything happens. Everything is with purpose. Everything is very purposeful in the way that um, he composes his films. And I love that. It's very Spielbergian, the way that he understands his visual language. Um, And like a lot of the Spielberg comparisons were made in like his last film, Okja. um, But I think that he definitely deserves the whole like, next Spielberg sort of talks that a lot of people like to talk about but I also transcends that as well because he's just he's think, Bong Joon-ho
2: if anything he's the next next Hitchcock
0: oh for sure especially in this like, film
2: specifically with Parasite um and maybe Snowpiercer I feel like Snowpiercer would also be something Hitchcock would do because it's also like very metaphorical um uh <laughs> Snowpiercer is very metaphorical yeah um, do we have any spoiler free thoughts that we want to say before getting into spoilers I want to do an actual like we're gonna spoil the movie and if you don't want to under if you want to go in not knowing pretty much anything specific about this film I would stop listening now and then I'll, I'll like in the in the show notes I'll put a a, a time code for when you can jump into the uh, really like section of our podcast yes. where you can skip to that part and then hear what we really like really liked this week that isn't Parasite um so that was a warning for spoilers yeah I guess we're the spoiler section starting Spoilers start here So that guy (laughs) (laughs) I was in the
0: basement (laughs) I have to say um so I saw Parasite a second time uh the first time I saw it was in a private screening room with other journalists but I'm so happy I got to see it a second time in a packed audience a packed theater like you guys, because when that moment goes down, I could feel the entire theater just like holding their breath as mm-hmm. like the as they descend into the the basement, and people were like, "What is happening? Where is this movie going? What has this movie become
2: yeah exactly
0: and i I love that it was just it was just such a it's such an amazing thing to see it again because it is kind of like like that almost like messing up a rubik's cube that was perfectly completed and then retracing those steps it is just like a perfect labyrinth of narrative twists and everything and it's amazing just to witness that again oh my god yeah. did you guys expect it uh, when it happened uh, i okay so i not knew. at all mm-hmm.
2: i knew there was a twist that was gonna happen because when people were tweeting about it uh, they were saying like there's a twist, but they didn't say what it was. And I I never looked into it. I never read any spoiler filled review. It's, if a podcast was talking about Parasite, I would like jump ahead, uh, like I hope people are doing right now. Oh gosh. Um, and the um when the house when the former housekeeper comes back, and just like starts to, you know go goes goes into the basement and starts undoing the basement door and like you just you just see this like cold cement hallway like stairs that go down and I'm just like and it, it's filmed like it's a horror sci-fi movie you know like the lighting of it is very like you know like not of not the lighting that was in the house and very harsh. It's like how a, a very harsh a tonal shift in not in also in, in, in the movie and the visual language of the film and it turns into a whole different a whole different beast of a movie. Um, a whole different Oakcha. Um, it's, it, and I'm just, I'm, I was in the audience and I was just like, are, are we, are, we, are we all, we're all seeing this? This is, this is happening right now? And like, like we go, to, we go down those, those stairs and we, we meet the guy that's been there for four years, who's the housekeeper's wife. And you're just like, holy shit, like this movie is insane. Like, right. Like just there from, from that twist. Like, the movie has already, like, perfected itself. And Mm -hmm. then it just keeps doing it.
0: It really does. Immaculately. When that twist happened, I I didn't expect the twist, like, that to be the twist at all. But when they started Mm -hmm. going down the basement stairs, I was like, oh, wow. Is this suddenly, like, a gothic horror? Is there going to be some crazy person in the attic or in the basement in this case? And that was. But I wouldn't even just, I wouldn't describe this as the same, that, kind of uh, twist that you see in gothic uh horrors at all because it is it maybe something similar plot wise like as a narrative device but it's just something that's so unique to this film in the way that they mm-hmm. use that like person hiding in the basement thing and um it is it's is a horrifying moment and it's also just like works so well like everything kind of falls into place once it happens in a way even though you're shocked you're like that makes sense and it makes sense in the context of this film and this film is still the same despite shifting so dramatically
2: yeah i remember when i when i saw the movie and they were they were like having like a like a dinner in the living room and i was like oh maybe they're like they like take over the house and maybe that's the twist is that now they're like they took over these people's lives and mm-hmm. now they're like pretending to be the uh the park family um and like maybe the Kim, the 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 true park family like dies in a car crash or something and like they have to like they just assume those lives and that was the twist and they like you know get into a, a lot of a lot of shit with that but then but that wasn't the case at all. And I was, I was completely wrong and I'm glad I was wrong because mm-hmm. this, 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 like what actually happens is so much better than what I could have imagined. Um, and then the park family was like, Oh, we're coming home. Cause it's raining and we, we can't camp when it's outside. And they were like, and they, they were like, Oh gosh. So like, that's when the movie kicks into like high gear. And also like the stakes become so high and it's just insane. And like, there's only maybe like 10 people in this entire movie but it 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 feels epic in that way mm-hmm. like everything is happening so high stakes with with so with such high stakes that um it you you sort of lose the fact that it's a, a movie like it transcends yeah.
0: <laughs> the funny thing is is that the stakes feel so high and feel so serious when in fact if they were discovered the worst thing that would happen is that they go to jail or that they get fired, you know? Um, but yeah. it feels so much more life-altering than that. And I like that that those stakes are, they feel life-altering because that's what it is for people who are of low means. And this is the only chance that they have of surviving, of like being able to keep their head afloat. Um, one of my favorite things about this, this uh, confrontation between um, the... Uh, Kim family and the housekeeper and her husband is that when the um, the mom first discovers her and she's like I'm gonna call the police like this is crazy um, the housekeeper is like begging on bended knee like don't do it please we're this we are like you know we're sisters we're we're kin <laughs> and then when the Kim family comes tumbling down uh, how the mom you know repairs back that same plea she says. sister you know we're kin and um it's such a it's like a really darkly funny moment but at the same time one that cuts so deep to what happens in reality in terms of like the lower class people are fight like they are come from the same circumstance they come from like the same uh they have the same means and the same resources available to them but they're always forced to fight and scrabble for and uh, yeah, for these kind of privileges, what for? You know, and what for? <laughs> and Anya, I feel like we've been talking over you, and I, f- I know you. I feel like you have a lot to say about this. So, what did you think of this twist and like the the whole confrontation and how it went down?
1: Um, I just I also just love listening to you guys, and as we've discussed, talking about this movie it's like a, a whole other roller coaster for me. Um, but I remember when they first went into the basement. And literally um, my best friend and I saw this movie together and we literally like at the same time we reached out to each other and like grabbed each other's hand and started just like squeezing each other's hands so tight because we didn't know what was happening and we were so stressed and like so anxious and eager to see like where this could possibly be going because where could it be going? Like, and then it went there. It went to this man who has been living hidden in this basement for four years who clearly you know this isolation and the circumstances of his life have you know deeply affected his mental health and emotional well-being and it it was both horrifying and shocking and sad and funny at times and like you said that moment that exchange with the sister is is very funny especially in the delivery of it Mm -hmm. um but also horrifying when the reality of it sets in. Um, I think one of the other things I really love about this and about this, this reveal that I absolutely did not see coming from any direction ever. Um, I love that in this movie, there are no bad guys. Like when you look at Ho, it does discuss like class of them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like in other movies, It is a little more black and white. There's always sort of a gray morality to his films. He's always very complex with his characters and what he's saying. But if you take a movie like Snowpiercer, there is sort of a more clear cut, like, good guy, bad guy dynamic going on. Like, the people at the front of the train are definitely bad guys. We want to root against them. Like, they are actively oppressing the people in the back of the train. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas in this movie, you know, we have our, like, wealthy family who would normally, you know, be like, the quote unquote bad guys, you know, like who cares if people wrong them or steal from them or whatever, like they're wealthy, they're privileged, but we know we get to know the Park family and they're not bad people. Like they're active parents in their children's lives. And, you know, they're a little clueless and out of touch, but they're not, you know, actively bad people but also that you can't really blame the Kim family for doing what they do as wrong as it may seem, because like you were saying, HT, like they, their means of surviving are so different and they have to survive. Like they don't, they're not allowed to live. They have to survive. Mm-hmm. And so you understand what they're doing and you feel for them in the situation they're in. The scene with the flood is one of the most heartbreaking scenes Mm -hmm. I've watched in cinema in a long time. And then with the housekeeper and her husband, like, of course you also feel awful for them and the situation they're in and how, when the wife starts describing like the debt they're in and how they're just trying to live and, you know, not go to prison or not die on the streets of South Korea, you know, everyone in this movie kind of has their, their motivations that you can understand on a, fully human level and so there there are no bad guys and I think that's part of why like it affected me so much emotionally because like I just had empathy for everyone in this movie Mm -hmm. and you know seeing what they were going through was you know would struck that very compassionate chord in me um but I really appreciated that because it it is both far more realistic because you know it is more realistic that people are neither inherently good nor evil um, and I am an idealist so I believe that people on the on the whole are generally good and you know this movie really gets to that in a way that other movies don't. It's society that's bad. Right it, it is society and it's our the the way we oppress people mm-hmm. like the Park family like I said they're not inherently bad but like in their own way they oppress as well mm-hmm. and they, they
0: benefit from the exactly. suffering and pain of the lower class, whether they know it or not. Exactly. They have a,
2: their privilege is um, denying others access to the means
1: mm-hmm. that they right. should have.
2: Um, there's no middle class in this movie,
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> which I think is, is something that is almost difficult for Americans to understand because in America specifically, we are obsessed with the idea of the middle class. hmm Right. We think of class very differently in the United States than other countries do. You know, we think of, you know, even people who are poorer than others still consider themselves middle class. Mm -hmm. We are obsessed with that notion. And so I think when you get people's perspectives from other countries and other cultures, like Bong Joon-ho from South Korea, or if you take, like, the UK and, like, their concept of class, which is very specific, it is very different than ours. Mm -hmm. and. Which I think makes this movie both challenging and eye opening to watch, especially, you know, for people who are not used to this sort of classism. Yeah.
0: And I think it comes at a really interesting time, too. This season, the summer has been sort of informally dubbed the summer of the scammer um we've seen it in reality uh with what anna delvey the the new york socialite scammer who like scammed millions or thousands out of all the elite new york socialites and um the instagram influencer what was her name like Uh, uh, caroline calloway yeah the fire festival document
1: the fire festival
0: um and we derive you know a sort of satisfaction out of these scams, um, both from both sides, but also from the idea that, you know, the rich are getting what they deserve. The whole eat the rich mentality.
1: Hustlers. Hustlers. You don't feel bad for any of the men in hustlers. Exactly.
0: You're like, they get, they're getting what they deserve. They're, they're eating the rich, and thus, like, that's what, um, you know, they're getting their, their just desserts. Um, but I think Parasite does really well is that it, it posits that, you know, eating the rich, well, I'm kind of stealing this from a tweet I saw, and I apologize because I don't remember who tweeted it. I saw a tweet that said, if you eat the rich, you're still a cannibal, and I, I really like that because it doesn't do anything to break us out of this cycle of economic violence that we do unto ourselves, the idea that we're always stuck in this vicious cycle um, and I, I think that Parasite just really articulates that so well without really having to spell it out for us. I mean, it, it does hit us over the head with the metaphor, quite literally in the case of that rock. Um, but I think that like it, it is something that invites you to think about those issues and read into them without necessarily saying, like, you know, it's, it's society that's the problem like in Joker where we like we live in a society
2: <laughs> we are all clowns.
0: Yes. So I think that like yeah. Parasite is yeah, like the kind of perfect cherry on top of that s- season of the scammer and um, really uh, like in that case just flips our our own like ideas and our our you know self-indulgent satisfactions on our head and makes us look in on ourselves as well as the greater
1: society. Right. And it's like, you know, this idea of the season of the scammer, mm-hmm. like, when we're talking about, like, getting satisfaction from, like, seeing these wealthy people, like, get one over on them, like in Hustlers, or, like, knowing that Mr. Fire Festival's in prison, mm-hmm. um, and all those things, this movie doesn't take that route. Like I said, it's much more challenging. It is not satisfying. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it, there. there is, there is less pleasure derived in this movie from seeing like the Kim family infiltrate the Park family. There are very funny moments and very entertaining moments and smart moments and, you know, moments that make you think about people's situations, but it is not so satisfying because, you know, at the end, this isn't actually helping the Kim family. This is not going to, you know, change their lives for the better on a systematic or fundamental level, Mm -hmm. you know, by the end they have suffered tragedy. Everyone in this movie suffers tragedy. Um, you know, when I think the moment, one of my favorite moments, but also one of the moments that just made me cry so much, everything made me cry is when, uh, the father of the Kim family. I'm forgetting his first name. Um, I think it is... Uh, Kitek. Kitek. Kitek, yes. Who is, you know, longtime collaborator of Bong Jun ho I think he's been in every Bong Junho ho film? He's been in every Bong Jun ho film except for Okja.
0: I'm Okja, sure. okay. I think Mother, um, too. I'm not sure.
1: Okay. He's he's brilliant. But the scene at the end of the party when he kills... um, Like, Mr. Park, when he kills the Park father... Mm. It is so, it is, it was such a clear moment where you understood why he did that, like why he murdered this man, even though this man really did nothing deserving of murder, but you could understand so wholly why Mr. Kim had that reaction and why he had that overwhelming need, you know to do what he did. Mm -hmm. But then you realize that is not going to help Mr. Kim. Like, he is is now forced to go into hiding forever. And, you know, the Park children have lost their father. And a woman has lost her husband, who, by all and purposes, you know, was, again, not, like, a bad guy. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those moments where you get it, but it doesn't actually solve anything so it's not satisfying it's not the same as watching the women and hustlers like scam wealthy men of wall street yeah and right. Right. it's right. not
2: like the part it's not like where you you where you get like the like where the villain gets his comeuppance from the right. hero because mm-hmm. there is it's, no villain. it looks like like superficially you could see that if you if you like step back and you could be like oh well yeah the protagonist kills the like the 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 father of the rich family, which you know, in a in a in a worse movie, he would be like the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, yeah, like you said, it's sort of just morally gray. where, like, yeah, you see, you see his reasoning, but then you're also like, well, this is still super tragic for this family that we. Got to know.
0: Yeah, because the and circumstances in which like yeah. he stabs him is because you know, uh, his daughter Hee Jung uh, had just been stabbed by the man in the basement. And um, at the same, because of that, the the youngest Park son like goes into a uh uh, starts convulsing. He goes into a, a, he um, he has a seizure. He has a, a seizure. seizure. Yes, he has a seizure. And uh, we heard before from the mother that um this. If they don't treat it within 15 minutes, then like that's that's it for this child. So both of these families are like facing life-threatening situations and they have to put themselves over the other. So there is no winning in this because um, they they both have as much to lose. And yet, and we sympathize with both and empathize with both, but it just comes to a head in a way that, again, like you said, Anya, is tragic for everyone involved
1: and i i mean i love so much like the kim father doesn't murder the park father out of a sense of like like he doesn't murder him because like his his daughter is dying and all these things are happening around him he murders him because there's a moment where the park father goes to uh the man in the basement who's now dead Mm -hmm. and he has to get the keys out from under him to get to the car, to take his son to the hospital, to save his life, right, all these things. And when he goes towards the dead man and he starts smelling, you know, the blood and the scent of death and he makes a gesture with his face of disgust at these these smells. And throughout the film, Mr. Park, Park Father and the Park Mother, talk about the smell of Mr. Kim and how he smells bad. Yeah and it's because you know he is poor and he does not have you know the means of hygiene that And I think it also that and, comes at,
2: that comes right after the flood if i'm not mistaken like yes, they're like yeah. like after a dire sequence of trying to survive and keep their home like like the one thing that you don't want to be called is smelly because yeah you were in like flood water for mm-hmm. 12 hours and then you right. went to
1: like and a And it happened it happens when Mr. Kim is driving the car and yeah. the wife you know smell something and she rolls down the window and then when they're hiding under the table and the you know the parks are on the couch and they're talking about the smell yeah. so there's they, like like the smell of the subway
0: up. the smell of like old radish smell of poverty essentially poverty right and exactly. a, it's the smell that they said like comes from living in that semi basement the one that right. the the location that they're like associate that they can't escape from the little societal prison and it's like
1: and it's so it's like it's that moment where he he has a reaction of disgust at this dead man which is understandable if Mm -hmm. you went to a dead body you'd probably also be like oh this smells terrible probably
2: he probably didn't smell good anyway because he was in a literal like cement basement with no like right probably no good
1: air. but that is what it's that moment of disgust that triggers Kim mm-hmm. to go yeah. and murder this man because it's like it, it was finally this boiling point of like you have you know you've always looked down on me in your own way mm-hmm. um and you know I'm going to murder you for that and so again it's like understandable but still tragic and you know it shows you that you know how these people feel and their oppression but again murdering Park doesn't help Kim it doesn't it doesn't it's not the satisfying, you know, revenge that you want it to be, because at the end of the day, it's only going to ruin his life more. Mm -hmm. And right. So it shows you that like in this movie that like, you know, these, you know, revenge is not as satisfying as you might think it is in the moment. It's not the ultimate thing that you need in order to live a, you know, life of quality, what we need is like systematic change mm-hmm. at the societal level from, you know, governments and people in power and in our economies and right, you know, like the idea of like, oh well if we if we addressed these issues of wealth disparity and things, like the the event of this movie never would have happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's like and a it's, breaking back. I
0: think it's um it's interesting too I should be pointing out that if um if he had done nothing, if he hadn't, you know, stabbed the park father and killed his employer uh the same thing would have happened essentially or he wouldn't have been able to change his own situation either his his daughter likely would have bled out in that backyard and um he probably would have been found out for his um they like illegal means their fraud essentially um, yeah. and so it's like nothing doing both do, not doing something and doing nothing won't change that cycle either, which is and like the think, that hopeless message of the of a film. I think it's also like the
2: encapsulation of desperate times calls for desperate measures, because mm. I think that at that moment, uh, Mr. Kim couldn't do anything but like he like it was the the straw that broke the camel's back.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And like seeing his his disgust for the smell was the same exact disgust you know, like reaction that he had when he was driving him. So like he was like oh he he looks upon death like he looks upon the poor. Mm-hmm. So I'm. I actually going
0: assumed to that he didn't he didn't uh, uh, turn away in disgust because of the smell of death, but because of the smell of because like, he was also an impoverished man. I assumed it was because mm-hmm. of the smell of him being poor and living in that basement. So that was well, the association be, they had.
2: I took it as a combination of both, where yeah. like that smell of death and like unhygienic. Like, like it was entwined, mm-hmm. like in his eyes or in his mind. Like that smell of poverty, essentially, yes. is just as bad as the smell of death.
0: Okay, yeah, I like that that thinking that uh take too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, this is an interesting well, episode well, because uh, we are kind of eschewing shoo- um of our usual sort of a plot theme characters thing, just because I feel like everything that is worth discussing in this film is well not everything we're discussing but like it it all hinges so much in that twist and all these spoilery thoughts so i think it's a good way of just kind of going off into everything else that we usually discuss
2: yeah like i think we can all agree that all the performances are perfect Mm -hmm. like i don't think anybody is bad in this movie no um and i think that the plot is also like it's well told well executed and the themes are so entwined with that plot that it's almost like you can't separate those. Yeah. So I think it's good that we're just having sort of a free, form discussion here. Yeah. I do want to say that I think that the, um, I was going. What was like? I was. I, I. What do you? Well, okay. So what do you guys think of the ending with uh, the son like escaping his, his 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 like poverty and like is able to buy back that that actual house like he well, promised. I think that was uh, a and fantasy. Is able to-
1: you don't thought that was a yeah. fantasy? Oh, it's for sure a fantasy. It
0: was, it was definitely a fantasy. Especially because yeah. oh, no. we have that fantasy. And then the final shot of the film is uh panning from the window of the semi basement down to the sun as he's reading the letter to his father. But so it's panning literally up from like his dreams above ground, panning down to reality underground. And um that always being just a dream. Oh, so, I you think, know what? yeah, yeah that that's how, I, that's that how I read it. Too. Yeah, especially because that, so, that final so, shot really cements it for me. It's like this was just a fantasy because I think Bong Jun ho said in an interview afterwards that it would take like 50 lifetimes for a person to earn that amount of money like in his gotcha. situation and like be able to well, buy that, that, that house. just makes it sad for me. <laughs> that's why Anya uh, burst into tears at the end
2: because I was That's like why I was crying, crying a lot It's like a
1: hopeful
2: ending and then I'm no, like oh no. no I guess I guess that is a fantasy because mm-hmm. I thought it was one of those like like he basically tells him what he's gonna do and then he does it because it's I don't know I, I guess that makes a lot
1: more sense I still love this movie yeah I um, think I think you I think you wanted a hopeful ending
0: yeah
2: I wanted that to I wanted what I saw to be actually true rather like like at the end of Inception he gets to see his kids mm-hmm. and the top spit the top uh falls down like it you know it doesn't keep spinning yeah whereas like if it, if it keeps spinning I think it, that's also still satisfying like he's 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 unencumbered with uh stress dreams of mm-hmm. his dead wife um whereas Mr Kim gets to uh believe that one day his son will come back for him uh and also his son believes that one day he'll come back for him as well uh yeah, yeah. I yeah.
0: mean <laughs> It's 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 powerful shit. It's powerful shit. It's a powerful movie, and it really yeah. I hope hope it gets a best picture nomination. Honestly, I hope it gets a best picture nomination. I hope it wins because I think it's the best Best movie of the year.
1: Riot. Yeah. If they're just like, well, best foreign language film, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be so annoyed and pissed because the Academy loves to do that.
0: Yeah, I think that this the Parasite this year is what Roma was last year. In that it will just sweep all the categories and you know be the front runner, and then uh, uh, Bong Jun Ho will get that best director nom. And that'd that be will... amazing. Oh, but this that'd year's be better. This year is stacked, though. I have to say, it's gonna be hard for everyone.
2: It's Twenty nineteen is turning out to be a real good movie, good mm. years, good year for movies. Yeah. Um, like just October alone has so many good movies. We, that were,
0: I, we were discussing what to to talk about and we we're like, wait, there are too many good ones. There are so many good right. movies. Um,
2: like there's Jojo Rabbit, there's The Lighthouse. Yeah. Um,
0: one more thing I wanted to say. Another bo- uh, <laughs> just kidding, that yeah. movie's bad. Yeah. Uh, one more thing I wanted to say about the ending is that, um, it really, uh sort of hammers in that whole idea of the upstairs downstairs which is that metaphorical the metaphor of the idea that someone will always be above the other person and it makes it you know a physical upstairs downstairs and the idea and the fact that the downstairs person is just replaced by Mr. Kim there will always be someone underneath who will be literally trod upon by the wealthy and um it's It's just it's so hopeless. it's it's so sad and very bleak. Um, I don't think that the ending is cruel though, the way that it shows that fantasy and then brings us down literally to reality because I think it you is. You could be
2: like me and, and choose to believe that that's what actually happened. You could in, choose in to believe it. After. but
0: also I think it, it just opens your eyes to what reality is and how that system is. And it, it, it can you know inspire you or motivate you. Um, to do something, or it can just make you sad about society again.
1: <laughs> I think it's also interesting uh, uh, something I took note of in the film um, that I think was not explored kind of as much, and it wasn't it didn't need to be. Um, but something that I just like noticed was the presence of of politics and and uh, public figures and leaders and the way they. Influence people, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think, you know, it really comes into play with when the twist happens, because once the housekeeper's husband gets out from the basement and they're holding the Kim family hostage, they are pretending to be from North Korea Mm -hmm. and pretending to be North Korean news anchors. Um, And when you see the husband's uh, living space in the basement, he has pictures of public figures, um, like all over. And, you know, people like, you know, JFK or, uh, Martin Luther King and all these figures that, you know, represent kind of hope and democracy and a better future. And I don't really know where I'm going with this or like, what I sort of got from that from the movie, but it was just something that I really took note of. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think it it would definitely be something more profound, uh, for Koreans watching this film or Korean Americans Mm -hmm. and their relationship with North Korea. Mm -hmm. Um, and how that dichotomy exists, but Yes, I'm not really sure like what I have to say about it. I just took note of it and I thought it was really interesting because I love politics. So. Yeah,
0: I think that's interesting to note. Um, I want to say another thing, and this kind of pertains to the title of the movie itself, Parasite, and what that parasitic relationship really is. Among those pictures of politicians and great men that the housekeeper's husband has in his basement is uh, Mr. Park's picture. And you know he mm-hmm. idolizes and reveres this man, and uh at one point mr the kim father asks um, how could you you know idolize him and like turn the the lights on for him as he's walking every day like why do you worship literally the his feet and um he says well i live in the house that he owns i eat the food that he brings to table like i owe my life to him and um that i think it's it's uh it's important later on that when uh, the kim father is uh, kim kitek is underneath is in the basement himself and like living underneath uh, the new wealthy families and everything he is looking at that picture of mr park and he's sobbing and he's you know apologizing and it basically has adopted that same reverent um you know worship of him and the idea that we'll all will always be doomed to be, you know, looking up to those people, both uh, figuratively and uh, literally, no matter what. And um, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, what do you think that parasitic relationship that this title is talking about, what do you think is the parasitic relationship in this movie? Uh, Willoughby.
2: I think it's a combination of... I think there's two things going on. I think there's exactly what you were talking about, which is this—you know—a a man in a basement eating the food off of, or eating like the—you know—like the remains or like the the you know the un uneaten food from these rich families because there's probably a lot of food that doesn't get eaten, um, so they're able to like like you know sc- uh, pull the scraps and eat those. But I also think that the uh, the Kim family was a parasite in a way of the Park family because they latched on to this family to essentially like, you know, make money off of them and, you know, frauding them, uh, you know, by pretending to be the, the, the school teacher and then the art teacher and the housekeeper and the driver. Like, I think like, you know, like one by one, we see them all latch on to this, the, the different family members and get paid for their their services, but also their services are like it's a it's a sham. They're not. I mean, like obviously he's dry. They're all doing exactly what they were hired to do, but they're not like they weren't like that's not what their trades were, you know. Like that's not what they were. Uh, like they are pretending to be different people than they are, and so I think that that they are also like the parasite that, in the reference of the film. But I also think that what you're saying is like like there's this man who is essentially you know revering the the head of the household as a God mm. giving him as there's this, this unseen relationship or like this one way relationship because Mr. Park doesn't know that there's a man down in the basement. Um, and I think that there it's, I think it's a twofold like uh, meaning of the, of the, of the, the, the word parasite. That's what I, I mean, that's what I took when I was like, when I saw what they were doing with the family, I was like, Oh, they're the parasites, mm. but also they're, they're like not, Bad, it's just that's what they're doing
1: um, I also want yeah oh Anya what do you think um, I'm actually gonna disagree with that because I was I was thinking I actually I think I think the movie wants you to think the Kim family are the parasites but I don't think they are because um, a parasitic relationship implies that one party is benefiting from the other to the negative effects of the other that they're benefiting from and the thing is the kim family benefits from the park family's wealth and privilege but the park family does not have negative effects from that like the kim family is not taking anything from the park family that the park family would not you know sort of miss or notice or would change their lives for the worse uh... you know the park family's i think like if the if if the kim if this charade continued for like life like Unless the Kim family started to get more ambitious and like murder the Park family intentionally and just like take over their lives, which like maybe they would have, I don't know. But like as it is, I think the Kim family leeches from them, but does not like drain the Park family, I guess I'm trying to say. I think for me, the title of Parasite is a much bigger concept like, like what you were discussing HT earlier of like how the wealthy, whether they know it or not, benefit from the oppression of lower class people. And so I think in a way like the park family are the parasites in that their wealth and their 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 greed for the lifestyle they live um, you know, does sap life and energy and resources from other people if that makes sense but i also think this is a, a movie where the para- the title can apply to literally every level yeah and every relationship of this yeah. movie so i think in every way everyone's a parasite yeah but i see it on a just a bigger grander level i guess it's like what i mainly took
0: i yeah. am going to agree with both of you because what <laughs> i think of the parasite in this relationship is that it's a codependent relationship. They're both being parasitic towards each other. Yeah. The Kims on the parks for their wealth and for the chance potentially of um, surviving and going, being above, getting, finally raise, rising above their means. And the parks because they can't, you know, exist without the services of their employees. They can't take care of themselves. They can't teach their children. They can't, you know, drive themselves around, they uh, subsist off of this parasitic relationship with their employees that's both um, financial uh, and, like, life-related and emotional, too. Uh, I think it's interesting the fact that the the Parks treat their employees kind of like an extended family to to some degree until they're not. Um, I was thinking about this, actually in relation to Roma last year um in the really interesting relationship between the family who are hiring these maids and yet they treat these maids as like family and friends until they want them to do something for them like i there's a great scene in Roma where they're they back from the beach trip at that's that they took the maid on so that they she could feel better and like you know uh recover from her uh what was it um her child being uh miscarriage miscarriage her miscarriage yeah um but yet when they arrive the kids immediately ask her to make her make them a milkshake and i think that's something similar that we see in parasite but to a much more um less to much less rosy extent roma gives a much warmer outlook to that because it is made from the director who was raised in that kind of childhood where he had like a really close relationship with his maids, but yes, but they were still his maids. But here it comes almost from that other perspective and that it, uh, deconstructs the idea that we, they have like this codependent, uh, emotional relationship with their employees, but they still put themselves above their employees. When the time comes, so I think it's it's a parasitic relationship from both
1: sides. Um, Agreed. That I are, also yeah. think I like your comparison to Roma, H. Mm-hmm. T. Um, because I'm not the biggest fan of Roma, mm-hmm. um, and it's precisely for that reason of that kind of rosy uh, feeling that the movie has, which I think you know comes a lot from Alfonso Cuarón's like uh, nostalgia and for like the the rose of glasses that he looks at his own life through. Um, I think he, I think the movie attempts to show that these people are still servants Mm -hmm. more or less. Um, but the, the nostalgia and the, the rose colored glasses of the movie, um, put me off a little at times. And I think that Parasite is a much, is a bleaker, but more honest depiction um of the reality of classism Mm -hmm. and you know how people both benefit and wither under the systems that we have in society with wealth disparities exactly
0: all right um I feel like we've uh, discussed all like the main points of Parasite. I feel like this is a movie that will be con- deconstructed by even more people and greater minds than us. But uh, I feel like we've uh we've talked about everything I've wanted to say about Parasite. Do you guys have um anything else
1: that you want to add?
2: No. I think I think we covered it. Yeah. Like, I
0: think
1: it's a perfect as movie. As much as you can. It's uh it, there's a lot to tackle and very complex.
0: Yeah. For sure. Um so with that, let's give a rating out of five stars for Parasite. Um, I'll go first. This is one of my rare five out of fives. Willoughby, what about you? Five out of five. Anya? Five out of five. All right. Hey! That was easy. The Millennial Falcon.
2: Was Paddington the only other five out of five? No, I, I gave it, you I gave didn't give it
0: a it four. Or 4.5 or something out of 5. So, so
2: it, this, is, this is a rare uh, 5 out of 5 uh, motion picture rating for us. I
1: can't believe Paddington uh, 2 is not perfectly rated by the money. I feel like almost forgot about that. He now I'm just like, like now I'm human like, jail. Now I'm horrified all over again that we don't have two perfectly rated films on our podcast. Well, you know. He went to human jail. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a fantasy, Willoughby. <laughs> it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy. Bears. If it's a fantasy, he wouldn't have to go to court. (laughs) Bears don't talk or live in London society. Willoughby, like it's not be treated with human law. Oh, but if he's functioning in human society, and following their laws and benefiting from human society and their economic system and their like law and order system, then yes, by all intents and purposes, he should.
2: You could almost say Paddington is a bit of a parasite on London <laughs> society.
1: You could almost say that Paddington 2 is a perfect movie and that we should rescind your vote and say that the Millennial Falcon gives both Paddington 2 and Parasite 5 out of 5 stars. You
2: have to remember, he went to Human <laughs> right? No,
0: I don't have to remember
1: that. Any <laughs> sense. <And he's->
0: <laughs> Anyways, Parasite gets 5 out of 5 stars from... And so does Paddington 2 the millennial falcon <laughs> and with that let's move on to the last segment of our episode i really 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 like you but i need to tell you something i really 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 really, really, really like you, you anya why don't you start us off this week what do you really like
1: it's spooky season friends and i really love fun halloween costumes I went out for Halloween last night to some parties um, and dress up with my friends and I just love dressing up and, you know, showing a part of my personality and something that I love. And I love seeing other people's costumes. Um, my two friends and I went as a final girls support group. So we all went as final girls from famous horror movies and we were like, hello, my name is stickers um, uh, with the idea that like it is post movie. And yes, we, are the final girls when we survive but we also have a lot of trauma to work through so we are all in therapy together
0: oh i love that um, that's a. I i like that you created a fun backstory for your group of
1: final girl yeah. costumes yeah so i went as laurie strode from halloween my best friend roommate dana went as uh erin uh played by jessica biel in the texas chainsaw massacre remake and then um our friend cristala went as sydney prescott from the screen franchise mm-hmm. um so we've had a lot of fun you know, it, it, it's another way I'm showing my love of horror now. You know, me and HT, fully fledged horror fans. Um, and it was just so much fun, like, wearing them and having people, like, compliment them and get it and seeing other people's costumes. We took a picture with a girl who went as Grace from Ready or Not. So we had, like, another final girl in our mix. Um, and it's not an episode, if I don't mention Succession. Oh, my God. And the best interaction I had with someone last night was a person who was dressed as my child, my baby, love of my life, Mr. Kendall Roy, from Succession Season 2, in his baseball tee when he does his rap about Logan. We literally saw him at the party, and we all collectively screamed at him, and then he went... L and we all went to the OG and like started doing the rap together and it was the greatest moment of my life and if you didn't know Succession's the best tv show ever and Kendall Roy is the best character ever and I love him very much and now I'm sad I didn't dress up as a Succession character but in my heart you would have made a great Shiv I was gonna say I we're literally I'm like next year we have to go as like the Roy family and I'm gonna be Shiv so um anyway Succession this is the best show it's my, be. is like, is my really like for the week.
0: <laughs> Willoughby, um, who just had a breakdown in his closet over Anya mentioning Succession yet again.
1: Hey, hey, listen, it's the, it's a challenge. I'm going to see it out the rest of the year.
2: I very much, I enjoy when you bring up Succession because you do it in such interesting ways. <laughs> <laughs> and... And I'm like, what? Okay, so I saw I saw the photo I think on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram one of them with you and the and the Logan and the and the the Kendall uh, costume guy, and I was like, oh, that's fun. Didn't think of it as something that you'd bring to the table. And then when you said costumes, I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> So I'm very, I mean, I'm proud of you, Anya. For you've you you made the challenge that for the rest of the <laughs> yeah. year and maybe for the rest of eternity, um, all of humanity will know that you love Succession, um, oh, and sure. that you make it a challenge to somehow bring it into every convers every episode that we have. Um, more power to you, but also just know that every every while we're going to talk about like little women and somehow you'll bring it to oh to,
1: i got i'm uh, already i'm already gonna, i need to start like brainstorming like how i'm gonna bring it up for his dark material little women and oh my God. Could like, you, you could be like i would honestly be impressed timothy if you brought it up for
0: the you
2: could be like timothy chalamet wears a suit and he's white anyway i love succession
1: <laughs> i'm gonna I'm, um, gonna I'm gonna i'm gonna come up with something it's gonna be clever i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah, figure yeah. it out
2: uh but yeah okay uh should i go next
0: should it be my turn? Um. Please, please, Willoughby. Tell us what you really so, like this week. I be seeing the lighthouse.
2: Woo! I fight Silver Theater. M-A-T's. I saw the lighthouse. Uh, <laughs> and it's really good. It's the... It's insane. Uh, Robert Pattinson goes insane. Willem Dafoe may have been insane for like 30 years at this point. This movie... It, it, is directed by Robert Eggers. He did the the Witch, or as some film folks say, the Vitch, or the vivage. Um But I, but whatever. Uh, there's no way of, of not saying the lighthouse correctly. Um, he does. He really has a thing for like New England, the North. Like uh, this takes place like off the coast of Nova Scotia, in Canada. This, uh, it's two lighthouse keepers. Uh, just having a having a weekend. Uh, they ha- they definitely go through it. Um, it's filmed in four x three, black and white, and it and like the the camera setups make it uh, look like it's something that was shot from like the 40s and the 30s. And I think that is uh, wonderfully great. Um, I, I love it. This movie is so grimy and so briny and so filled with sea foam and seagulls. and And semen you said it
1: not me you know what I Um, said
0: I said semen as in s-e-a-m-e-n because there's semen do you get it there's semen in a very phallic looking lighthouse
2: the lighthouse does have semen Um, and it's just really it's, it's, it's like buck wild like I think that's the only thing I can basically describe it as it's are all, it's it's very funny it's funnier than i expected it to be um and the it was just uh it, it's just a lot i mean like i definitely wasn't the same person i was uh before before seeing this movie um like it definitely changed me on a, on a personal level uh i can't stop thinking about the movie because it's just so like there's so certain images that are just sort of now ingrained in my brain which is unfortunate but also fortunate because it was a really good movie i don't know i'm having a lot of conflict their feelings about this film, um, but it is really good. Anya, I think I believe you're seeing it later today. Is that true? Uh,
1: yes, I can seeing sure. it right after this podcast, and then I'm seeing Jojo Rabbit right after the lighthouse.
2: That's gonna be a whiplash. Um, quite but a, yeah, I
1: can't, quite I a can't, dumb
2: feature. I hope, you, I, I hope you tweet about it or text us. I want to know your reactions to the lighthouse cause it's insane.
0: <laughs> I think I've talked about the lighthouse before, which I love, but I also want to say just want to add on. Uh, Willem Dafoe deserves an Oscar for every one of his farts.
2: I, was, I thought you were going to say monologues, which I'm like, yeah, but then yeah, also the farts.
0: Spoilers on Anya.
1: I was going to say, I did not realize that farts feature so heavily. Oh, oh. <laughs> sweet I'm summer exciting. child. <laughs> I'm, I'm a naive little baby. I don't know what's what's coming for me um someone edited the, Witch- the 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 lighthouse
2: trailer to um match it with like spongebob characters uh and that was all i could think about when i was watching this movie i was like oh Willem Dafoe's is doing a real good mr krabs impression today
0: <laughs> a mr krabs impression that he deserves an oscar for
2: he definitely does he gives he gives one of his, i think it's his second monologue um and he just sort of like It is like i i I would i would study his face i would i want to watch a documentary in which it's just willem dafoe learning those lines because it's (laughs) like it's yeah like he doesn't speak like a normal human being he does not
0: he is chaos incarnate in that movie but we won't spoil it anymore of course for anya who i'm sure is very excited to see it in a couple In about half an hour. So we will speed through this quickly. I will talk about my really life for this week. Which is also in relation to spoopy season. I went to... I went upstate to Sleepy Hollow. Yay! I went to Sleepy Hollow and uh, did a sort of Sleepy Hollow graveyard tour. Uh, It was called the Murder and Mayhem tour. And uh, we went through this cemetery uh, that is incredibly old it was like one of the oldest cemeteries i think in like the new york area uh and it was really cool because the you go through like the paved area which is new and then you go to the older part which has like no road and is all overgrown with thistles and th- and uh grass and um definitely has lots of um history to it uh and we got to go through that with um these old school lanterns which I was very excited to hold because I felt like a Nancy Drew Hardy Boy combination while I was holding it. Um and uh our tour guide told us all sorts of nasty, crazy, wild stories of murder and mayhem that had taken place uh, with the residents of that cemetery. So that was really cool and um interesting to see and then yesterday we went to oh today rather we went oh no it was yesterday sorry yesterday we went to the great jack-o'-lantern blaze in awsening which is uh basically a theme park with pumpkins in which you go in and you see all these amazingly constructed sort of statues and windmill windmills and bridges made out of carved pumpkins and And they're all lit up and it was crazy. I saw the Statue of Liberty and I also saw like this uh, working windmill, a carousel that was made of pumpkins, a lot of dancing skeletons made up fully of pumpkins too. It was really fun and really crazy. Um, That was my, my little weekend exploring Sleepy Hollow and a little bit of upstate New York, so I had a fun time this week. That sounds um, amazing. I love that. Yeah. That sounds
2: incredible. That sounds awesome. I saw your Insta story with all those pumpkins, and I was like, that's insane. It's
0: crazy. And they're real pumpkins,
1: too. And they look like, I think they're hand-carved. They are hand-carved. That's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, my God. Well... Uh, that concludes our episode for the week. If you guys have any thoughts about great movies that are currently out like Parasite or The Lighthouse, come chat with us about those. Or if you're do any, doing anything for spoopy season, like dressing up as fun characters or going to graveyards and pumpkin patches, come let us know what you're doing for the season of The Witch uh, this year. And we'll be working. They talk about all these things with us.
2: You can help us do the Monster Mash if you follow us on Facebook or if you go to twitter.com and follow us there at falcon podcast uh the monster mash is the only song so you could continue doing the monster mash on our blog if you go to millennial falcon and you can re- re- rate review subscribe and do the monster mash with us on itunes google play and soundcloud
0: and where can they find you guys on the, in- on the internet you can find me at htranbui on
1: twitter you can find me at anya Crittenden on twitter
2: and you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs doing the monster mash on Twitter.
1: Alright, thanks for joining
0: us, guys. Bye. Bye.